Jesus' ministry is going to be messy. The tempter, the devil, the diabolical one, the voice of temptation, whatever works for you, comes to him and, and tempts him to avoid the mess, to find an easier route, a softer way, a, a gentler way. Just, just let, the, just let the, the chips kind of fall off somewhere else. Don't, don't get yourself too caught up in this, Jesus. There's got to be an easier way to do this. Jesus is not being tempted here because he's fallen away from his path. No, not at all. In fact, this temptation comes because he's just had this high spiritual moment. He's, he's just been baptized. If you read through Matthew's gospel and you read through the first three chapters, you would have heard the voice from heaven saying to him, you are my beloved, the child. And you, I'm well pleased. And then the very next verse, the very next chapter, Jesus is, is driven into the, into, the, into the wilderness. The word, in, the word in, in Mark's gospel, as Mark tells this story, is the Greek word balo. It literally means to throw. He's been thrown into temptation, into the desert, that's kind of the way life works sometimes. We have those high spiritual moments where everything seems perfect and wonderful. We want to hang on to them as long as we can, but the next thing you know, it's over. And then comes, then comes the test. You've had the moment. You've felt God's presence. You've felt the Spirit somehow working in your life and in your soul. Now how are you going to live? That's really what's happening with Jesus here and basically, the devil, the, and don't get caught up in the literalness of the story. Just let the story lead you through. The devil comes to him and, and says, no, Jesus, you can, you can avoid the hard path. You, you, can, you can just skip this. Don't, don't worry about that. Take the easier way. If you're the son of God, which is a, kind of an ancient Greek, uh, Middle Eastern way of saying, you are the son of God after all. Therefore, why don't you just do what you want? First temptation, you're hungry? Take this rock, make it into a nice loaf of banana bread. Make sure it's warm and has a little butter melting over the top. Wouldn't that be nice? Oh, you, you, you want people to follow you? Well, don't try to teach these disciples uh, who are so hard-headed and so confused and so easily distraught and, and distracted by your teaching. Just, just forget about that. Put on a big show. Let's go, to, let's go to Jerusalem. Get up on the top of the temple, jump down, and the Bible says, it really does, the, the devil knows the Bible. The Bible says you, you, your angels will come and they'll catch you and they'll carry you down to the, to the safety of the ground. Wouldn't that be great? I mean, just skip the hard teaching and all the things you want people to learn. Just put on a show and you'll get lots of followers, lots of likes on Facebook, he might say, if it were today. That's all you got to do. The third one then is, now, again, Jesus, why? Why bother with all these difficult things? Let's you and I take over. Let's become political leaders. Let's become the most powerful ones the world has ever seen. And we can, again, just skip the hard stuff and take charge. Let's just get to the point. Let's just get to the victory. Don't bother with welcoming the outsider, touching the untouchable, inviting those from the margins of life, those who've been pushed aside for a variety of No, 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 don't worry about all that. Let's just you and I take charge and take control and take command. Now, I, I know. This may seem a little lighthearted, maybe a little too less than serious, but don't, don't mistake me for not being serious. The church faces these same temptations even today. And frankly, so do you and I. The, the temptation that's been given by this 
evil one, this tempter, this voice of temptation, is for Jesus to be something other than who he is. That's what's really happening here. Oh, you're the son of God? Great. Then do this and take this. You can just guarantee yourself the easier way, can't you? The temptation is to be something other than who he is. If we're going to give in to that same temptation, we might find that the things that matter the most to us in life will be left behind, won't be a part of who we are. If we stay with the gift of who we've been called to be, think of how hard life is. Have you ever fallen in love? Have you ever made a commitment to another one to give your heart, soul, mind, and body to them in love? Have you ever been a parent? Have you ever tried to fight against systemic racism or other ills and, 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 and problems in our, in our society, in our culture, and in our world? Have you ever given yourself to something that matters? It's not easy. I mean, for goodness sake, if you, if you want, if you, if you even raising a puppy is hard, there's messes to clean up and all the rest that comes with it. Anything that matters in this life is going to be a difficult path to follow. Whether the one is named love or justice, hope or life. It's kind of like the difference like this. It's kind of like, have you ever DVR'd a football game of your favorite team? And then you, you get home, and before you, you get the TV turned on, there's a, there's a note that comes on your phone that tells you, oh, your, your team won. Oh, you know, somebody texts you that, or it's an auto, I got some automatic notes of mine that come from ESPN, that sort of thing. Well, then you go watch the game. It's not the same, is it? I mean, you, if, you, if your team's won, you already know they've won, well, it might be enjoyable to watch the DVR version of it. But it's not like watching it in real time, not like watching it when you don't know what's going to happen. If you really care about the teams on the field and your favorite team is playing, your, your palms get sweaty, your heart speeds up, you worry about this play and that play and all the rest. That's, that's basically what this tempting voice is saying to Jesus. Let's just do the DVR version. Let's just skip ahead. Let's not take the hard path. Let's not worry about falling in love or becoming a parent or bringing hope and justice and true shalom into the world. You see, this diabolical one, maybe even the voice of temptation in your own mind, is always looking for that easier path, the simpler way. Leave the hard stuff to the side. And, and let, in fact, let's be clear about this. The line that separates good and evil Alexander Solzhenitsyn once said, is a line that is found running through every human heart. This isn't just a mythological story about some strange character in the wilderness with Jesus. This is the story of us. This is the story of humankind. And I think the, 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 the deepest, most difficult temptations in life are, 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 are most often wrapped up in what feels like common sense or, or, or a good idea. I mean, after all, the, the, the tempting voice in your life doesn't show up as a, as a character in a, in a red long john suit with horns and a, and a pitchfork that he, that he is sticking you in, in your back. No, 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 not at all. Not at all. In, in reality, in reality, this voice oftentimes looks like and sounds like one who makes sense. 
Now the movies don't often depict the devil very, very well. If you saw the Passion of the Christ, you can just tell by the creepy look on this guy's face when he encounters Jesus, this must be the devil. And just to make sure we get the point, spiders start coming out of his nose and his mouth. And I don't know how they did the special effects people did that, but I would not have played that role. <coughs> And, and to make sure we really do see who it is, this weird character lifts his foot and a snake comes crawling out from under him and goes after Jesus. And if you're watching the movie in the, in the theater, you want to stand up and say, Jesus, watch out, it's, it's the devil. I, I don't like those cartoon versions. I do remember, though, The Last Temptation of Christ. It came out in the late 80s. And at The Last Temptation, it's Jesus on the cross. And the, the tempter comes in the form. You don't know at first. The tempter comes in the form of this beautiful young girl, angelic girl, just hovering before Jesus on the cross, saying to him similar things as the devil in the desert, you, you don't want to do this. Why, why give your life up? Come down from, if you're the son of God, come down from there. Go find a woman and marry her, raise children, live a long life. Don't, don't do this. Do, do you see? Do you hear the voice of temptation? It looks beautiful. It makes sense. In another movie that came out a few years ago, the, the devil comes out in this perfectly tailored, he's a tall man, hair slicked back, perfectly tailored Armani suit. I mean, he just looks like he walked right off of a fashion show. And he's smart and handsome, and he's got everything else going for him. And he's basically saying to Jesus, listen, listen, we can rule the world. You and I together, we can do this. I've actually seen this person and encountered him. Three of my friends got sucked into a deal by somebody just like that. He had the suit, the car, the fancy house, all the rest. And the deal that he presented to my friends, three of my friends got caught up in this. Was they were going to go do a treasure hunt, looking for a sunken ship in the Caribbean. And he said, if you give me 5000 or 10000 or 50000 I guarantee you I will triple your money in six months. We just need to fund the, the treasure hunt on the front end. Once they find this Spanish galleon that went down in four or 500 years ago, it'll be amazing. We'll triple your money. Of course, you know what happens. Oh, we found the ship, but there was no money. One of my friends said he confronted the man, the man in the Armani suit with all the, all the slick answers and all the rest. And what happened? He said, well, didn't you read the fine print? Well, there was no guarantee. Later, I asked my friend, how'd you get caught up in that? What happened? I mean, was, it, was his presentation really that good? Was he really, I mean, he seems a little bit slick and cheesy on the outside. What was it that caught up to him? My friend kind of dropped his head and he said, Glenn, it comes down to one word, greed. I was greedy. I wanted the quick fix, the easy path, the painless way. You know, the tempter's voice is strong. Sometimes that voice sounds just like yours or mine. Theologian Tom Long is a, is a great preacher and a great writer. He says something similar about the church and temptation. He writes, the church faces the same temptation when it attempts to find some quicker and easier road to travel than the cross. It also faces us whenever we try to find a quicker, easier, simpler, less challenging road. 
Anytime we put nation or race or social standing above the place of God in our church, we're giving in to this temptation. I, I read about a preacher once who promised his church, if we could have a thousand people show up on a Sunday morning, I'm going to have a crane there. I'm going to have the crane lift me up to 300 feet up in the air, and I'll preach to you from there. Well, sure enough, they got 1,100 or so people that gathered out on the front lawn of this big church, and he preached from a crane. Why? I don't think God even knows why. What was the point? And in fact, it's almost anti-gospel, because why do you come to church? For a show? For something spectacular? Some guy way up high on the top of the temple? Or to love and to laugh? To be greeted and welcomed? To see a friend? To hear a good word? Taste a little bread and wine? It's the temptation to avoid those things that get in the way of our faith being enriched. That's enough. Those are always enough to bring us here. Uh, if you haven't read C.S. Lewis's uh, little book, The Screwtape Letters, I would highly advise you to do so. It's a story of a devil in training. His name is Wormwood. His uncle is, is Screwtape, a, a much more experienced devil. Wormwood's basic training is this. If you're going to tempt, tempt any human being, get him or her to care only about himself or herself. Make them as selfish as possible. Make all their desires and all their wants come true at the, at the risk of forgetting everybody else, and you'll get them. You'll have them in your clutches. You'll, they'll be a part of the dark Lord's realm. If you can get them to care only about themselves, it sounds just like the guy in the Armani suit, doesn't it? Come on, I know where all the shipwrecks are. I'll make your life simpler and easier. It's all about you and not anybody else. That's the toughest temptation to take the easy route and to forget who you are, who God made you to be in this world. Bob, Bob Goff says, don't tell people what they want. Truly, tell them who they are and you'll set them on the right path. Do you remember the movie, The King's Speech? tells the story of King George VI in England who right before the beginning of World War II is called upon to give a speech to inspire his nation, to lead his people, to get them prepared to take on the, the, the Nazi scourge as, as it were, but he has an issue with his speech. He's unable to enunciate all of his words. He fights a stutter. He has his entire life. And so a, a, a speech therapist is brought in. I think his name is Lionel Logue. He's played by Jeffrey Rush, a, a beautiful character, a beautiful, beautiful film, really. Well, the king, as we're about two-thirds way through the film, the king is certain that the therapist is a fraud. The therapist doesn't really what he knows, know what he's doing because the king's speech hasn't improved at all. It's really not gotten any better, and he's about ready to give this major speech, and they're in the throne room, in fact, and they're having this conversation back and forth, and he, he threatens the therapist with, with throwing him away, with locking him up. Suddenly, Jeffrey Rush, the therapist, sits in the throne chair. The king is talking. He turns around and sees him sitting there. He says, you can't sit there. He said, why not? It's just a chair. Oh, you can't sit there. That's, that's St. Edward's chair. Oh, big deal, he says. People have scratched their names in it. Listen to me, he says. Listen to me. And the therapist says, by what right? And the king says, by divine right. I am your king. And Rush says, no, you're not. You don't even want to be king. You don't care. You'd rather be doing something else. And the, and, and the king looks at him and he says, I am your, I have a voice. And in that moment, Jeffrey Rush 
says, yes, you do. You and I, we have a voice. You and I have been called not to find the easy path, but to take the sometimes narrow and difficult one named love, to give our hearts and minds and souls over to seeing this world transformed, to bringing God's shalom, if not in the entire world, if not in the United States, if not in Columbus, at least in your own, in your own heart and soul and in the community of your family and those you love the most. The greatest temptation is to be something and someone you're not. Let us instead, in this season, in this 40-day season, follow with our Lord on the pathway named love.